1: This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast.
2: Good afternoon, fellow investors, and welcome to Invest Talk. This is our Monday, May 24th, 2021 edition of Invest Talk. I appreciate you all tuning in this hour and as usual my job each and every weekday is to help you become a better investor and saver and just in general better with your money so that you can reach your own particular version of financial freedom and that's going to be different for everybody everyone has different risk tolerances different goals different starting places today when it comes to the amount of assets they have Uh, maybe you're just starting out or maybe you're approaching retirement with millions of dollars it doesn't matter i am here to help all of you no matter where you are in your journey and i'm going to do that with our mission statement which is always independent thinking and shared success i'm not just here to pound bells and whistles and just give you recommendations i'm here to help give you perspective and data points and a way to think about making decisions, and that's really very vital to you reaching your goals, is to have a decision-making process that makes sense, that you can apply to your situation and your goals to make better decisions. So when I'm talking about the market in general, a specific sector, an asset class, whatever it is, I'm here to present it without bias. I'm just going to give you the facts based on what I see in front of me, as well as the perspective that I have of over 20 years of investment experience. Now, I'm Justin Klein, and of course, we encourage you to contact us with your finance and investment questions. And when you do that, you get to shape this show to your liking, and that means you can call... Right now, and interact with me during our live stream program, 4 to 5 Pacific Time, or you can leave a question anytime on our Invest Talk Voice Bank. Either way, that number is always 888 99 Chart. So let's get right to our first listener question now. Oh, we're going to a live call. We're going to go to Texas. I thought it was going to be a recorded call. Let's go to Ken in Texas. He's looking at uh, Discover, I believe.
0: Yeah, Justin, a discovery I was noticing today: their C shares are three bucks cheaper than their A shares, and uh, um, C shares I know are non-voting shares. But what's the big difference between the two shares that you'd have a three-dollar discrepancy there? Um. I don't know. I have
2: to. I'd have to really dig into to this. I, I frankly haven't looked at Discover. I'm more focused on how, what this means for AT and T because we're AT and T uh, shareholders. Uh, I know the Discover assets, but what the difference is between the C shares uh, and the, the B shares, the A shares, uh, I'm not sure. So, and don't think that the share prices really mean anything. There could be a lot more C shares versus A shares. Um, and like you said, that discount that discount could possibly be the voting rights as well and whether those voting rights will transfer. I'm not really sure. Um, I don't think there's there's really a, a play here. I think this is more to do with, with AT&T. So uh, you really need to understand that end game uh, of the final merger or, uh, I guess, kind of a spin-off right It's a, it's a spin-off of at and Time Warner unit as well as a merger with discovery of that new unit. So definitely unique. Um, but I, I, frankly, these type of differences in share classes are, are often quite complex in, in certain ways. So uh, like I said, I haven't looked into it and I'm not sure exactly why but but good question and know that there are different share classes oftentimes for different companies. And some have voting share rights, others don't. Sometimes the voting share rights are not even public. They're held within uh, executive hands. So that happens sometimes. So understand that there are different share classes of common stock. And that's a very good question and something to always think about. Whether you want to invest in companies who you don't have voting rights for. And there are those public companies out there. Now, my focus point today is based on this story. Will a $7, 000, or $2,000 bonus convince people to return to work? This is part of a broad strategy by some states to pay one-time bonuses up to $2,000 for unemployed workers to accept a job due to labor shortages. So I'll look into that story, what that means, what you'll likely see from the labor market for really the balance of the summer. And you're going to see headlines, and I'll give you a hint. It's going to be very different than the last labor headline you saw or jobs headline you saw. So we're going to discuss that. Uh, Time permitting, if we have a little bit of room for overview of the CDC eviction moratorium and what, what that's going to mean for the housing market as a whole. So we're going to touch on that. But let's look at the market today. You had the S&P up a solid 41 points, about 1%. The NASDAQ, that was up 190 points, about 1.5%. Still well off its highs from late April. Uh, but solid move. And a lot of this has to do with a little bit of a drop in rates. The 10-year dropped about 2.5 basis points to 1.6, about 1, 1.61 on the day. Uh, and... Uh, this would be bullish right if you have a drop in rates that would be bullish for risk assets or growth assets tech assets all of these high multiple stocks and that's kind of what you saw today uh so was, if you you know what's going to happen with that particular uh that move in rates is going to be very very important we've had the fed officials come out and kind of speak to Whether or not they're going to taper, Uh, they've already started to hint at what they would do to taper, which is start to reduce their purchases of mortgage-backed securities, because that spread between mortgage rates and treasuries is near an all-time low. And this is all because the Fed is in there supporting the mortgage market in a dramatic way. And so... I think they see it as a little bit of a room to allow those mortgage rates to float up a bit back to longer-term spread levels. Remember, there's usually a spread between treasury rates and the mortgage rate anywhere from 1.5% to, to 2%, and we're closer, right, right around the 1.5% uh, level. And 2% is more normal. Something it gets, gets to 25 but 2% two, is more normal. And, and that's kind of uh, uh, the most recent signaling that you've had from the Fed. And that may be important for not only the housing market, for, but for the cost of capital in general in the market. And mortgage lending is a big, big part of that. So interesting start to the week. Remember, we had option X on Friday. Uh, and now a lot of times you during option X week, you get subdued volatility as there's a lot of jockeying for position around that option x and then now it's a little more free for the market to kind of break one way or the other and so far it broke a bit higher but i am seeing a beginning of a rotation if you looked at my video uh, on youtube on our youtube channel on friday i kind of explained i'm starting to see a bit of a rotation uh in the economy or in the markets Uh, less strength in the financials, industrials, and more strength in utilities, REITs, for example, which is atypical for the economic backdrop, inflation backdrop that we have today. So this summer, I think we're going to see a lot of gyrations and the market rotating once again. Now we're heading into a quick break, but I want to hear from you. So, we're taking your calls and questions now at 8899 chart
0: We've already passed the halfway point of the second quarter. The market is constantly changing, and you've got to be ready to react. You'll have questions. Steve and Justin have answers so listen live or download the free invest talk podcasts the invest talk anytime listener line never closes 888-99-CHART
1: hi this is keith from north augusta south carolina hi steve and justin the question is of the reports that come out periodically what do you all focus on that would be, you know, like the, uh, retail sales, consumer price index, uh, inflation reports, et cetera. Just interested to hear, uh, which reports do you think are market movers in that regard? so I'll hang up and listen on the next podcast. So hopefully. All right. Thank you.
2: Well, that is a wonderful question. And I will always say that is the leading economic indicators. And there are a lot of those, but most people don't pay too much attention to them. They look at jobs, they look at CPI, home sales, things like that. And a lot of those are either coincidental, meaning you're getting a live look at the economy, or they're trailing, or lagging, shall you say indicators, right? If you have a jobs number for the month of, this is May, and you have jobs to come out for April, that's looking backwards. Remember, the market always looks forward. It's always looking out three, six, nine months. What's the economy? What's the market going to look like? And so claims for unemployment, That would be a leading indicator because it's seeing what people are going to be doing in the future. If you're filing for unemployment, you're likely going to be not spending very much, making big purchases over the next few months. New order index. So that's orders that come in and that are going to be fulfilled in the medium term. Credit spreads are another one to see where the bond market is pricing in the economy going consumer sentiment and expectations for the future. And that can mean a lot for what they're going to do in the short to medium term as well. Okay. The Stock market itself is a leading indicator. So always focus on the leading indicators a lot more than those kind of real time snapshots of what's happening in the economy. Because that's what the market looks like. When the market is, po- is pricing in earnings into the future. Another good example, building permits. Not building today, but these are permits to build in the future. That means jobs, new home transactions, buying a furniture, moving, things like that that create economic activity. So, great question. I love it. Now let's go to Mike in Boston. He's looking at TBF, which is the ProShares Short 20-Year Treasury. So it looks like you are trying to, let's see, go short the the uh, long bond, shall we say?
1: Hi, Justin. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Uh, yeah, that's correct. I was looking at the 20-Year Treasury. And, I mean, I'm very confident that interest rates will rise in the future. And I guess uh, if you could answer if that's a, a fair assumption or not, then I guess TVF would be the you know, one potential play I was looking to go to capitalize on the interest rates going up in the near future.
2: Well, that is a, a solid bet. I like that it's not leveraged. A lot of people are trying to buy the leveraged ETF. This is, this is unlevered. I would say, here, here's here's my sense. I do think interest rates are going to be pressured higher. The bigger question is, will the Fed allow that? They've already, in some ways, instituted kind of soft yield curve control. And they know that they can't have treasury rates going to 3 4%. It would just kill the economy. That would put mortgage rates at uh, 4.5%, 5 6% and that would be terrible for the economy. So they're going to do their best to make sure that any rise in interest rates is going to be modest. What I do think they're going to definitely do is keep real rates flat or negative. And what that is good, that that is inflationary, especially for gold, silver, precious metals. So if you're looking for uh, a play here, to me, it's more to do with the precious metal side. I just don't really love this play because I don't think the Fed is going to allow it. Thanks for the call. Our phone lines never close, so give us a call. 888 99 Chart.
0: When you tell your friends and family members about the free Invest Talk podcast downloads, let them know they can choose an episode that covers their topic of interest. For example, browse by episode title for potential questions and answers on 401ks, cryptocurrency, treasury yields, real estate investing, commentary on growth stocks, listener stock picks, and more. Download free anytime at iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or investtalk.com.
2: And my focus point today is in regards to the news that a few states not not all states but a few states are paying up to two thousand dollars of one-time bonuses for unemployed workers who accept jobs now this is part of an effort especially in red states for the pullback of assistance for the unemployed in order to kind of kick their butt into gear to accept jobs because of a labor shortage. And that was one of the big reasons why economists had explained the low jobs number in the month of April. Excuse me, we're in May, so in the month of April. And many of them, many of those states, those 22 states will withdraw their unemployment benefits for up to 3.6 million people. That's going to be a quarter of all Americans collecting federal aid. Now, this is the $300 of additional federal aid per month. Some states are pulling out as soon as June 12th. And the entire program ends September 6th. So you're going to see this acceleration. I think this month will still be a relatively weak jobs number. But June, it'll start to ramp up. July even more. And especially August and September, the jobs number is going to look much, much better than you've seen over the past few months. Now some states are doing more than just pulling away assistance. They're also giving a little carrot as well. So it's not just about the the stick it's about the carrot and states like New Hampshire are paying 500 and a thousand dollars for part or full-time positions. so if you accept the part-time you get $500 Uh, full-time you get a thousand Montana and Oklahoma are paying 1200 for full-time workers and states like Arizona they're actually giving up to 2,000 for full-timers and thousand for part-timers pretty interesting I don't think it's going to change uh, be, be a huge impact, but I think the bigger impact is losing out on those consistent $300 additional. And these unemployed people are still gonna get some benefit. They're still gonna get their state benefit, usually half of what they made before, but this will change the equation of whether or not it makes sense to go back to work financially. We're not talking about COVID and how much you're worried about everything um which I think is some factor but roughly half of the US is, uh, adults have received the vaccine and probably most of the other half either don't want to or they're ineligible um, you know for various reasons so to me I don't think that's really a big factor I think it's it's pretty small And if you look at cases, we are back to March 2020 levels of new cases here in the U.S. Full round trip. We're basically at her immunity. So I don't think that's a factor. It's all about the financials. And you're going to see the jobs numbers pick up. But remember, the market kind of already knows that a bit. So don't get shocked when those numbers come out. Let's go to Dave in Minnesota. He's looking at GENI, which is Genius Sports Limited. Can you tell me more about them?
0: They're, uh, they're a company that sells data to media outlets and gambling outlets. Um, I was thinking with um, online gambling, it would be a good play for that. They also just signed a contract with the NFL, and they're in other a bunch of other sports. They were a company that merged with a SPAC, and, mm-hmm. but they were already um, developed, and they were in a bunch of sports already. And I was just wondering your thoughts on it, and if you liked it, what a good price would be to buy it.
2: Yeah, this is a tough one because this this is a tough one because it's kind of odd that sorry, screen one out here. Um, it's kind of odd because I'm not getting any data really on it. I'm just seeing that they are a SPAC. Um, I don't really have any information on revenue. 3.6 billion dollar market cap their earnings came out let me see this looks like on 520 i I'd really i never heard of this name they ooh they they lost $2.84 revenue of 54 million yeah i just think the multiple here is just way way too high uh, you know if you even though even though revenue was up 52% year over year you're talking about a run rate of 200 250 million in revenue and this is a three billion dollar market cap so you're talking about 15 times revenue it's a bit expensive they're supposed to make three cents next year on a twenty dollar stock uh, and I just think it's part of the hype right now uh, probably a name I'd, I'd monitor it's interesting uh, but not at these valuations and technically it doesn't look exciting it's pretty neutral to me so uh, keep on your watch list but I would pass for now on the next InvestTalk, the story behind this story. Another inflation gauge has come in hot. Producer prices jumped 6.2% year-over-year in April, the largest increase since the Bureau of Labor Statistics started tracking the data in 2010. That story tomorrow. For now, I'm Justin Klein, I'm ready to take your questions live at 888 chart Stay ahead of the game in the battle against cyber threats with HackerOne's attack resistance platform. Learn more at HackerOne.com, that's H-A-C-K-E-R-O-N-E.com, HackerOne.com.
0: The markets react to uncertainty. Are you prepared? Is your portfolio balanced? Is it optimized? Your financial future depends on the answers to those questions. Justin Klein is here now and ready to talk with you. Call InvestTalk, 888-99-CHART.
2: Let's go talk to Cooper in in Kansas City. He's looking at Danos, D-A-N-A-O-S is how you spell it. I don't know how to say it exactly. And this is a shipping company and it has been on a tear. Do you own it, or are you looking to buy it?
1: Yeah, I own it. I uh, bought it back when the uh, (laughs) lock...
2: What was that? Say that again. Cooper, are you there? Is he gone? I guess he's gone, okay. Well, if you own it, what I would say is I would use an out of the 50-day moving average. It hit that twice on this recent run-up. Well, I guess a few times. One back in November of last year, and then in April, and then more recently. And the fact that it hit it in relatively short order in less than a month time, hit it twice, tells me that the trend is maybe weakening a bit. Um, But it's still up. And so I would hold it And I would have that out of the 50-day. As soon as it closes below that 50-day, I'm out. Because this is a very cyclical business. You look at the history of this company. They made, 2014 made $7.70. 2015, they made $20.31. And then they all went all the way down to only making $7 and 18 cents in 2020. Now they're making, going to make $13 and 22 cents this year and $14 and 38 cents next year. So you can see just the wildly up and down nature of their business went from $108 in 2014 to $2 a share in 2020. So it's on its tear, and I would continue to ride it Cooper. Um, but I would have that out. Did you hear what I said about the 50-day? Yeah. Okay. So I would just uh, I would just stick with that and have that out and uh, just keep riding uh, that momentum because I think the shipping rates, and this is why, the shipping rates right now are astronomical and this is a shipping company. So they're able to capture huge, huge profits as the shipping rates have just skyrocketed with so many goods moving around because of COVID. And that trend is only going to last for so long, especially as the economy reopens and more people spend money on services as opposed to things. There's a lot of money left over right now uh, to spend on goods, whether you're because you're uh, trying to work out at home or uh, to buy new equipment or uh, to move and, and you need to buy new furniture and things like that. So there's a lot of demand for goods, but that is behind us and what. The growth will be over the next six, nine, twelve months will be much better in services, meaning less money for goods and less need for shipping. So be on the lookout for a reversal and use that fifty day as you're out. Now let's keep things moving and go back to the Investalk Voice Bank, eight eighty eight ninety-nine chart.
1: Hello, Stephen Justin. Thank you for everything that you do. Your podcast and radio show is extremely helpful. This is Stephen from St. George. My question is about Porsche. I've been looking into taking a position into Porsche Automotive Holding, and I'm having a hard time finding data on the stocks. Um, there seems to be two that are coming up P O A H Y and then POAHF and i'm having a hard time distinguishing between those two stocks and and even getting data on the performance of the of those stocks if you have any thoughts on helping distinguish those two stocks would be helpful i will be listening on the podcast thank you bye
2: all right so they're just different share classes uh from what i believe i think they're just uh, different they they they're foreign Tickers uh, and just foreign tickers trading on different exchanges, uh, and so that's. The, the I'll tell you this: the one that I own is P O A H Y. P O A H Y. That's the one I own personally. Um, so that's really the, from my understanding, that the main difference there. Uh, but once again, that's the one I own. Thanks for the call. Eight 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 ninety nine chart. Eight eight nine nine two four two seven eight. Let's go talk with. Carl in Oceanside. He's looking at TWST, which is Twist Biosciences. Do you own it or looking to buy it?
1: This morning I saw my physician and he told me he bought that stock. I don't own it and I know nothing about it. I would like to, to have some information about that stock. Who is he? You say he
2: said... Who, who are you talking about? My,
0: my, my physician.
2: Oh, your physician? The doctor. Your doctor, okay. Yeah, the doctor. Got it. So, this is Twist Biosciences. They developed develop disruptive DNA synthesis platform to industrialize the engineering of biology, which I'm not a doctor. My girlfriend is, but I'm not. And so, I, I don't have any insight on this one particular biotech company. I will say, technically, it is very weak, it is below all the moving averages. It is It is consolidating bearishly. You have bearish consolidation below all those moving averages. And we're in an environment where the cost of capital is going up, inflation is going up. These speculative assets tend to do not quite as well in that environment. Just look at the IBB uh, ETF, which is the biotech ETF. That was down 92 cents today, even though tech in general was, was higher. So the sector as a whole is very weak. I, I Once again, I don't know anything about this particular platform that they're developing and whether it has traction or not. What I can say is short term, probably medium term, this is, won't do very well uh, unless they hit some sort of big breakthrough or whatever, which once again, I'm not privy to. So I just look at that backdrop and I would not be owning it right now. Thanks for the call. 8899 chart 889924278 Now 2021 is well underway and it's been an interesting year. It's been a bullish year. And as you probably have noticed, we've starting to go through some transition in the market. Whether you look back 3 months, 6 months, 9 months there's been a change of flavor. And it's going to be important for you to adjust to that flavor and make sure that your portfolio is positioned accordingly. And so, if you need help with that, I encourage you to reach out with myself, to myself or Steve at our KPP Financial Offices in Irvine, California, which, if you don't know, is in Orange County, in Southern California. Let me remind you that as well as here on Invest Talk and at KP Financial, we operate with a philosophy of independent thinking and shared success, which means we give unbiased guidance both on and off air, and we practice parallel investing, meaning when we invest for our clients, we're investing for ourselves as well. So I encourage you to take advantage of our offer for a free portfolio review assessment via telephone or go to meetings. You can send us a message through investtalk.com or call our KPP financial offices in Irvine, California at 800 557 5461 We'd like to help in any way that we possibly can. That's our job. We're just here to help you. Now, next up, we will play a caller question about portfolio diversification and percentage. You're going to want to hear my answer. It is up next in one minute.
0: There is good news for loyal InvestTalk listeners, their friends, and families. Steve and Justin have recorded a special bonus podcast. Been listening for a while and have got some great advice. This free podcast is available for download anytime, typically each day and night. The Invest Talk call center receives more voicemail questions than Steve and Justin can fit into a live show format. Hi guys, big fan of the show. So in the bonus program, caller questions will be played back from our voice bank and answered with brief, unbiased and helpful responses. I
2: think for like the next 10 years, commodities are going to be doing very well. It's in the money. You probably just want to
0: sell it. It's a fast paced learning podcast for the average investor. Absolutely love your show. It's free, so be sure to tell your friends. It can be downloaded now at iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and investtalk.com. Look for rapid fire hour. Hi, KPP team. My question is on portfolio diversity and percentages. I have heard that no one asset should be greater than 1% to 3% of your portfolio, which means you'd have about 30 stocks total
2: at 3%, 33 stocks maybe, to add up to 100% of a portfolio diversity. I'm wondering how that would make sense. because.
0: I've heard you guys say that we should have like 20 to 30 stocks. and I've also heard people say that we shouldn't have more than 3% in a portfolio for any one given stock. But doing that math would mean we'd have at least 33 stocks. Hope you guys can answer that. I hope that question makes sense. Thank you. Bye.
2: Yes, this is a great question. And based on the statistics, the raw statistics, you need about 25 different names to diversify away what is called individual stock risk. So if bad news comes out about a particular company, then it's not going to kill your overall portfolio. So if you, at 25, you have 4% in each position and those stocks go down, one of those stocks goes down 25% because of bad news or whatever, it's 1% of your overall portfolio and so if you look at the statistics like i said 20 around 25 is where you get to diversify away your individual risk for a a name now you start getting over about 50 positions that's where you start to just have way you just too much too much diversification there is such thing as too much diversification and so that's the range you want to stay in. 25 to 50 different names. And the way we do it for our portfolios is we we're, our typical position is about 3% on average. So we're, but we'll go up to 5. We'll go as low as 2, one and a half, two 2% of the portfolio. Depending on the weighting of the sector as well. So how much of, in, in the particular sector do we want to hold? And that's almost just as important. Because yes, you could have 25 different names, but if they're all tech, then you're just a tech fund. And there's if tech in general just declines, like it has over the recent past, your whole portfolio is going to be pressured. So it's not just about the individual allocation to a particular name, but it's about the sector as a whole. And we like to limit to that, that to about 20% of the overall portfolio in one particular sector. And then you can spread that out among different names. So if you have 20% and you're very overweight, a particular area of the market, say right now commodities is a good example, maybe you have two, three, or 4% in maybe seven, eight names and you create diversity that way, okay? So I hope that helps give you a little perspective and some tips on diversification. This is Invest Talk, and here comes another caller question that came in earlier on eight 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 ninety nine
1: chart Hi guys, this is Derek from Detroit. I just got turned on to your show by my neighbor, and I'm thrilled to have discovered you. I'm calling today about two stocks. The first one is Zimmer Biomet Holdings, ZBH, and the second one is Bristol-Myers Squibb, B-M-Y. I've held these both for a long time and I've been living comfortably on the dividends from Bristol Myers Squibb, but I'm being urged to diversify and I'm struggling to come up with a plan to diversify because I don't want to leave behind those dividends I'm getting. So any uh, insight you have for the outlook for both of those companies or any plays on moving forward with the diversification plan, I'd love to hear your thoughts. Thank you guys so much. Bye. Well,
2: A diversification plan is difficult for me to give you without understanding your particular goals, your income goals, because that's what it sounds like. You have some sort of an income goal with the the dividends that you're receiving. And Bristol-Myers yields about 3%. It looks like Zimmer yields about .6%, so you're not getting much income from there. Uh, so that's a that's a broad question. Is what type uh, what else is in your portfolio? What type of income goals do you have? Uh, I like Zimmer and Bristol Myers. We own Bristol Myers for some managed accounts, so I will say that. And once again, I would really need to know some kind of broader goals. There's thousands of other income-producing investments in the marketplace. Bristol Myers is just one, and Zimmer. While it's a good company, it's pretty modest in its uh, dividend yield. So if you want to do kind of a broader portfolio review assessment, head over to our website, hit, click on Portfolio Review under the Invest Talk tab, and you'll get a template. You'll see a, a button for a template. It's, a, it's an Excel spreadsheet. And you just put in your different positions. Maybe it's all in Bristol-Myers or whatever. But send that back to us uh, through that portal, and we will schedule you a time to have a video chat or a phone call and discuss your overall goals so i hope that helped in some way uh, but at least you have some good holdings those are good solid companies overall so you're starting from a good place now this is invest talk i'm justin klein and we have one goal each and every day here on invest talk and that is to help you achieve your own particular version of financial freedom and i hope this hour has been instructive for you but we still have One last segment, and our work continues after this final break.
1: So get your questions in now at 888-99-CHART. Invest Talk is all about above-average investing for the average investor. And the question is, during the market downturn, do dividends stay fairly steady? Um, I wanted to see if you thought that that was a safer place to park the money for long-term. Just kind of wondering if this stock is a value trap. What's your question? You're the best person to ask it. Eight 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 ninety nine 99 Chart.
0: Invest Talk is made possible by KPP Financial, where Invest Talk hosts and KPP principals Steve Peasley and Justin Klein practice parallel investing. That means Steve and Justin's accounts participate with client investments at equal prices and percentages. You can learn more about parallel investing at investtalk.com.
2: Let's go talk to Timothy in Washington State. He's looking at Markel Corp. Do you own it or looking to buy it?
0: I've been looking to possibly buy it. I've been thinking a lot about what you guys have been talking about as far as um, um, what uh, could benefit from an inflationary um period and think I don't have anything uh financial in my in my portfolio so I've been kind of looking at uh, at some of the insurance names and noticed that this has a really um really low um enterprise value to EBITDA and uh and just some of the other metrics looked really interesting and just kind of I, I was a little bit disappointed I don't see the it it pays a dividend of any anything but uh i just thought i'd call and ask you guys about this one
2: yeah this is a markel corp and you're right it doesn't pay a dividend and historically it's just retained uh it's it's earnings uh never paid a dividend and just re keep reinvesting in their business the issue here is that the return on equity has always been pretty meager. Now, recently, it's up to 24%, which is really the highest it's, it's ever been. So that worries me a bit. That there's probably a reversion to the mean at some point, back to its longer-term average in the mid to high single digits. So I wouldn't say it's my favorite insurance name out there. Uh, we own a few others, and. I'm starting to look at trimming our positions, to be honest with you, Um, because I do think there's a a rise in rates in the the shorter term, but I don't think that's going to be allowed, once again, to get out of control or get to extremely high levels. And so this is not a name that gets me excited because of that long-term unimpressive profitability metric. And that's why I'd pass on it, to be honest with you. But thanks for the call. Now, I think we can fit in another caller question here. Many times, the question's concern stock picks, but not always. And here's an example from eight 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 ninety nine chart
1: Hi, Steve. This is Don, uh, first time calling. Just wondering if with all the uh, you know, proposed uh, tax code changes from the uh, president there, do you think it will take effect this year, which is 21 uh, tax years, or uh, not likely to happen until uh, 2022? I appreciate it. Thank you, Brian.
2: It very likely would not take effect until 2022. It's just uh, too contentious because people make decisions throughout the year, based on tax implications and then suddenly you change those rules midstream no uh, the almost it's always been where the tax changes at least negative tax changes take effect the following year and obviously a tax hike would be would be negative or sometimes they implement tax incentives mid-year or late in the year to use before the end of the year that can happen but things like raising taxes that likely will be put off okay so don't expect that to be this year now I want to quickly touch on foreclosure moratoriums and rent eviction moratoriums they're going to expire June 30th for the most part and this is going to be a big big factor I think the housing market, if I'm looking in the charts, to me, the housing market, bullish dynamics have peaked, Now that doesn't mean that you can't have more price appreciation near term, but I'm starting to see the hints with the CDC eviction moratorium being lifted, but also the fact that it just expires in a little over a month now. So all of that means there's likely supply coming on market. And if the Fed pulls back their mortgage market support, that can mean a 50 to 100 basis point increase in mortgage rates. And so, starting to get pretty cautious on the housing market and housing prices from here. What states face the highest percentage of foreclosures? Rhode Island, Louisiana, and Arkansas. Arkansas. I'm Justin Klein, this completes another Invest Talk program. Steve Peasley and I thank you for listening, and we encourage you to tell your friends and family members about our free podcast downloads, which they can find at iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play, and as always, Investtalk.com. You can browse by topics such as 401k, real estate, treasury yields, etc. And hopefully that helps you or a friend. Independent thinking, shared success, this is
1: Invest Talk. Good night.